0: Father, we pray that you would speak to us now as we consider your word. We pray that you would show us that Jesus is alive, that he will one day come and receive us to himself. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. I wonder if you can guess at what one of my favourite children's TV programmes was. Uh, Mrs Goggins featured in it, as did Patrick Clifton. Who said that? Oh, well done. I didn't even get to the song, so I didn't, or his black and white cat. But yeah, Patrick Clifton is Postman Pat. Well done, Leslie. The song, uh, maybe you can never be sure there'll be knock, ring, letters through your door. I love to watch Postman Pat uh, and his black and white cat. What was it called? Jess, Jess very good. We all watch it, obviously. Um, and they would go around Greendale at delivering the post, at bringing what he had been given and delivering it to the people. In our Bible reading today, and it might be useful to have it uh, in front of you uh, as we look at it together, uh, we get the idea not of Postman Pat, but of Postman Paul. Look at verse 3. Paul says, for I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received. Paul had received something, he had been given something, and now he has passed it on. He has delivered it, just like Postman Pat. He brought it to the people in the city of Corinth. Now if you've posted a letter recently, uh, you'll have realised that the price of a stamp uh, has gone up again uh, on the 29th of March. So when you have a, a letter to post and you, you go to the post office counter, you have a choice to make. Is it really urgent to justify 64 pence for first class or will it do second class at 55 Hence. Well look at verse 3 again do you see how Paul described his delivery was it something that didn't really matter something that could take its time not at all he says for I deliver to you as of first importance this is something that would need a first class stamp or, or maybe even the guaranteed next day signed for at delivery service And what was so important? What was of first importance? Verse 3 again. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared. When you come to the family service you'll recognise this as one of the creeds that we use regularly and the reason we use it in the service is because Paul says it is of first importance this little summary of what Jesus did he died, he was buried, he was raised again and he appeared if you're looking for a summary of what Christianity is all about this is it this is the very heart of the Christian faith. This is historical truth about what happened that first Easter weekend. Postman Paul tells us that he received this. That he didn't make it up. That he was told this and then he passed it on. He delivered it to the Corinthians. He makes clear that Christ died That Jesus was crucified. That he really did die. But notice that it isn't just a historical explanation. It's also a theological explanation. Look again at the second line of verse 3 there. That Christ died. Christ died. That's history. But Christ died for our sins. That's theology. This is why Jesus died for our sins. He died to take the punishment that we deserved. He died the death that we should have died. But Paul goes on. He says more about it. He says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture in a wee while we'll say the Apostles' Creed, which follows that same pattern, which uh, rehearses the, the same things about Jesus' life and death and resurrection. But it's the, the Nicene Creed, which we, which we say at Holy Communion, which uses the entire phrase that Paul says here in accordance with the Scriptures. But as I was growing up and Uh, and saying the Nicene Creed uh, and and was saying uh, that Jesus died and was raised according to the scriptures I always thought that meant that well that's where we find out what happened that it's according to Matthew and according to Mark and according to Luke and according to John uh, that we know that Jesus died and and Jesus uh, was raised again But postman Paul says that Jesus died in accordance with the scriptures. In agreement with them. And what he means is that Jesus died in the way the scriptures said he would. That the Old Testament had already told the story in advance. Just think of Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Psalm 22, the account of what Jesus' crucifixion would be like, written about a thousand years beforehand. The scriptures said that Jesus would die. But the scriptures also said that Jesus would rise again. That death would not be the end. The promises were there beforehand. The story was already told. And Psalm 16, which we uh, used this morning, is just one example. Uh, verse uh, 9 and 10. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, to, to the place of the dead, or let your Holy One see corruption. The Scriptures had uh, already set out the blueprint uh, the plan of what Jesus would do. And Jesus fulfilled it in every detail. Paul says that he, he he did it all and that this is of first importance. But maybe maybe you're not so sure. You put up with Easter Sunday each year while on the inside you're thinking but but dead men can't rise. When you're dead, you're dead, that's it. was this little story how the disciples coped with the death of Jesus by by focusing on how he lived on in their thoughts and their memories. Did they just make up the story that he was alive? Is this just a fairy tale? Has Paul been led up the garden path by someone telling him tall tales? But included within what is of first importance is also the last bit. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ was raised. And verse 5. That he appeared. So who did he appear to? Cephas. That's Peter. The one who said that he would die with Jesus. And then when the servant girl asked him. Are you one of his followers? The night ever knowing. Do you remember when the women go to the tomb in Mark chapter sixteen, and, and the angel says, "Go and tell his disciples and Peter that Jesus is alive." So Jesus appeared to Kephas to Peter, at, to the twelve, to more than five hundred brothers at one time, to James. To all the apostles, and finally, verse eight last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, uh, to to Paul. And all these eyewitnesses testify to the fact that they saw the risen Jesus, that they met with him, that they ate with him, that they touched him, that Jesus really was alive, that he was raised. To new life. He appeared to his closest followers. To a huge group of people. And that's significant because you don't get group hallucinations. Over 500 people. And as Paul says, most of them were still alive. So go and ask them. If the Corinthians didn't believe what Paul was saying, they could go to Jerusalem and find these 500 people and ask them, is Jesus alive? But the last two individuals who are named on the list that were probably the best witnesses. Verse 7. Then he appeared to James. James is the brother of the Lord. Now just think for a moment if you've got a brother or even a sister, what would it take for you to become sure that they really were God? They might have tried to you know, tell you how important they were when you were growing up all those years ago but what would it take for you to become so sure that they were God that you would worship him and follow them? You see, if you remember throughout the Gospels, Jesus' family had tried to take him home, had tried to stop his ministry because, well, they were just embarrassed at the way Jesus was getting on and they thought, hey, he's gone mad, we need to take him home but now jesus sorry now uh, jesus has appeared to james and james is convinced that jesus really is God that he is uh, alive that he has risen from the dead and the last one paul himself paul who was persecuting the church paul who hated jesus and hated christians who went out of his way to arrest them and to stone them Yet God's grace worked in his life. The risen Jesus appeared to him. And his life was turned around. He was now a witness to the resurrection. He was an apostle. He had a new mission. Now you might be thinking to yourself. We know all this. Why have we spent this morning thinking about something we already know? Well over these next few weeks we're thinking about what the resurrection of Jesus means for us for you and for me. Both in the present at uh, the day to day of life but also the future. And what that will mean for us on the last day and beyond. But before we get there we need to see what Paul says is of first importance. You see we can't Enjoy the benefits of Jesus' resurrection without making sure that Jesus really did rise. Because as we'll see next week, if Jesus isn't alive, then it's all pointless. And this is a waste of time. But as postman Paul had brought this special delivery, this first importance, first class at post. As he preached this message of Jesus crucified and raised. The Corinthians, they believed, verse 11. They accepted the testimony. They believed that Jesus really did die. And that he really did rise. But more than that. They believed in Jesus. That he died for their sin. I wonder, can you say that today? That Christ died for my sins. Have you heard this testimony and believed in Jesus? Have you received uh, this first class delivery? Perhaps today could be the, the day that the post arrives. That you receive it for yourself. And if so, make this the most important thing that you know, that you build your life on, that you depend on. And if you want to find out more afterwards, then please do speak to me. Don't, don't rush away. Uh, there's a tea and coffee at the front and there's time and space uh, for for child. But maybe maybe you're already a Christian and you're thinking... I know all this. Surely now I can move beyond the cross and beyond the resurrection. But postman Paul says we can never move beyond this. He was writing to Christians. He was writing to a church just like ours. And he needed to remind them of it. Look at verse 1. Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel of I preach to you. The gospel, the the good news of what Jesus has done. He knew that he had to remind the Corinthians about what that was. And we are in the same book. We so easily forget. We too quickly try to please God by our own efforts rather than depending on what Jesus has done. Or we try to pay God back for what Jesus has done and, 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 and try to um, move away from grace. Grace is when God gives us a, a, an undeserved gift. And yet we try to pay it back. I was talking to a friend on, on Friday and um, he said that for his mum's last birthday he had uh, given her a, a, a present. And she turned around and she said, can I give you the money for that? But but that's not a gift. This is a gift, a free gift that Jesus has done for us on our behalf. We just have to receive it. And we so easily drift into, I, I, I have to pay for that. But Paul seeks to remind us so that we are also in that chain of verses 1 and 2. The gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. If you have already received this gospel. This